0: Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. As I as I mentioned, uh, we're going to start a series tonight on uh, the Buddha Dharma as a happiness path. Uh, I was asked to share the principles of the joy course with the group and um, I wanna present these uh, 10 principles that I have found um, helpful and supportive of happiness and that I share in the Awakening Joy course uh, in the context of uh, Dharma practice so the the joy course how many people have done or are doing the, the course wow how many people are doing it right now all right so that that course is kind of dharma for the mainstream and this is uh this is the opposite uh well not the opposite it's just uh <laughs> mainlining the dharma maybe you can say that Uh, Hopefully, this goes a bit deeper into each of the principles. Um, And um, uh, just to give a little bit of background, some of you know that uh, I I started the joy course after um, um, getting uh, this book, How We Choose to Be Happy, uh, about happiness and seeing, oh, all of those choices that the people in that, In that book, May, the nine choices of extremely happy people that the authors found after three years of research uh, had a um, dimension of uh, of Buddhist teachings and practices and started and decided to go through uh, about three months with this group ten years ago, nine years ago, 1999 it was, and uh, looking at through that, Buddha Dharma lens and uh, it was uh, it was very um very powerful for me and for many of the people who did it. So now I'm kind of going full circle and coming back and um and taking the course and going through uh, through the dharma. Uh these are more than just ideas and teachings and um principles. At least this is how I I hope that we take them, that rather than just coming here on Thursday and perhaps getting a little entertainment if if I'm in an entertaining mood, that um, these are things to take to heart and to practice. In fact, hopefully whenever you hear a Dharma talk, it's more than just the level of, oh, that's a nice idea or, oh, that touched me, and then go on with your life. The Dharma is pointing us to actually looking for ourselves where happiness and where freedom lie. So as I recommend with with the course, and, and even more here, um, to take whatever, if there's anything in the talk that, touches you that says, I wanna check that out further, to take it as part of your practice this week. A lot of times people have the the definition of Dharma practice as sitting on the cushion, which is a very important and um, uh, wonderful foundation for awakening. But I hope that we all broaden our definition to see that that practice is is your life, really. And that when you look at your life through the Dharma lens, that you are opening to more and more wisdom that's right inside of you. It's like you're coaxing it out, you're inviting it out. It's right in there. The Buddha, when you take refuge in the Buddha, Chami, that we say in the chants, when you take refuge in the Buddha, you are um, acknowledging the fact that the wisdom is right there inside of you. Often it needs a little invitation, and a Dharma talk is a way to encourage that. Besides the opening to wisdom, when you think of practice as investigation, then it becomes a kind of um, enriching, enlivening exploration. It's not that you're trying to get to the bottom of it and get the right answer. There's many answers. Generally, they come down to everything changes. Holding on to change is painful and the, the being who we are is this process of change. But there's so many things to understand and awaken to. When you look, just in the looking, one of the factors of enlightenment, investigation of the Dharma, investigation of the truth, it's like you bring this keen interest to your life to discover, oh, that's how things work. That, it might not seem like a, a big deal, but that leap is everything. Because mostly we just kind of sleepwalk through in our, in our own routines. But when we want to look, just sometimes I think of it just for the fun of it, just for the fascination of it, just for the sense of wonder. How does life work? How does the mind work? then in that looking, directly with that interest, life reveals itself. So all of these are pointers to um, practice this investigation looking. And whatever theme we're doing, I, uh, I really encourage you to take some aspect of it and look at your life through that lens. It's one of the real perks about uh, having to give a talk regularly I'm always looking for new material, right? And it's one of the best deals of all because in order to get new material, I've got to be paying attention. How am I getting confused here? Oh, how am I, getting, how am I struggling? Oh, what am I learning? Oh, what is this person learning? And uh, it just becomes um, every moment counts. So you don't have to wait until you give a Dharma talk to do that. You can do that. At any time. So, the the idea of the Dharma, or Dharma practice, Buddha Dharma, as a path to happiness, mm-hmm. the Buddha was called the happy one. And he said, if you go for the highest happiness. He, he wasn't into settling for low-level happiness. He said, go for it. And if somehow you're fortunate enough to hear a deep call within you or have some, some longing to free yourself of suffering, or you're inspired by somebody that you've heard or a book that you've read, or you have some inkling that there's more to life than what we've been told leads to deep happiness and freedom. If you're fortunate enough to be touched by that call, then you perhaps will go for The highest happiness, the Buddha's line that has always been an inspiration to me, if it were not possible to free the mind of greed, hatred, and delusion, I would not tell you to do so. But it is possible. I mean, just take that. Just take that in. It's really possible to free the mind of greed, hatred, and delusion and experience the highest happiness, complete liberation, complete freedom. If you're inspired with that vision and you aim for the highest happiness, it just so happens that all the other happinesses unfold along the way. Isn't that cool? Now, in the, in the joy course, I don't come out with that as the, as the initial incentive. I think it's really helpful to know that there's a direction of greater well-being. And that as you start to even turn your life towards that direction and have enough spaciousness and, and goodness and joy, that um, you might be inspired to keep on looking, keep on going for more, especially if you know that there's more. Mm -hmm. The Buddha said basically three aspects, three, um, three approaches, three components of, his teaching are do no harm, act for the good, and purify the mind. And, uh, Joseph Goldstein, in One Dharma, a, a book I highly recommend, the The basic the basis of the book is seeing that that's the essence of, of all Buddha Dharma uh, approaches. And so... Besides purifying the mind and going for the highest happiness, there is something to be said in doing no harm, acting for the good, and getting in touch with more and more um, levels of well-being that have to that show you where true happiness is found. So a lot of these principles are about, Um, cultivating the wholesome I've mentioned this before and minimizing the unwholesome This this is the definition of right effort of wise effort in the Buddhist teachings one of the aspects of the Eightfold Path he says to guard against unwholesome states and overcome them when they've arisen and to cultivate to develop wholesome states that aren't yet here, and to maintain and increase them when they are here. And so all of these principles that I'll be doing in one way or another are about cultivating wholesome states and feeling that well-being. And if you have it in the context of deepening your dharma practice along the way, then it, it becomes even richer. So the Buddha said that we have a choice. This is one of the the most important understandings, I think. We have a choice. We can create suffering, and often do, for ourselves and others. Or we can create happiness. And that's in the famous Kalama Sutta, he says uh, to the Kalamas, when you know this leads to suffering and, uh, and, and disturbance and the affliction of yourself or others, then, then if you don't want to suffer, don't do it. You know, the choice is yours, right? If you know this leads to happiness, to your benefit and the welfare of, of others, if you want happiness, then... Develop that. But the key is that we have a choice. Now, most people go through life not realizing that they have a choice. The Buddha discovered this in in one sutta that I love. He, he was, This is before he was enlightened. He sat down and um, looked at his thoughts. I've, I've mentioned this passage from time to time. He says... Well, I sat down and I saw I looked at my mind and he said sometimes there are thoughts of sense desire ill will and cruelty. And he said these thoughts lead to my affliction, others' affliction. They're not conducive to well-being. And then There's these other categories of thoughts that are thoughts of non-desire, that is, of letting go, of renunciation, of generosity, not clinging but opening. Thoughts of non-ill will or loving kindness and non-cruelty or compassion. And he said, when I notice these thoughts, they bring about a sense of well-being. And as he looked at his mind, there he was investigating, seeing, oh, okay, these thoughts don't feel so good. These thoughts do feel so good do feel good. And then he came out with a line that really is the key to practice, which I've mentioned from time to time. Whatever one frequently thinks and ponders upon. That will become the inclination of their mind. Pretty straightforward. Makes sense. If you frequently think and ponder upon thoughts of ill will and wanting, that's what you'll cultivate. If you frequently think and ponder upon and practice thoughts of generosity, of kindness, and clarity, then that's where the mind starts to incline. Mm. So this leads to the first of these principles, practices, wholesome states, and that is intention. Intention is the basis of all karma. Intending, he said, intending we create karma through body, speech, and mind. All by what we are either consciously or unconsciously, um, is is the the conscious or unconscious source of our action. If we act with greed, hatred, and delusion, we will be creating suffering. If we act with non-greed, non-hatred, non-delusion, will create happiness for ourselves. But without setting a clear intention, we will be inevitably repeating our practiced habits, even ones that don't serve you. You might know, oh, this is a drag. Got caught in, in... fear again, or anger again, or judgment again. God, darn it. oh well, that's just the way I am. If you simply say, that's just the way I am, then that's just the way you'll be. But if you somehow get in touch with a clear intention to say, I want to, to learn a new way, Then anything is possible. But you have to really see where you want to end up. And then if you get clear on that, then you can check out where you are now and where you're headed and see are they aligned with where I want to head up, where I want to end up? And if they're not, and you're very honest with yourself, and you really want to go for happiness, well-being, then you'll change. If you're asleep or think that you can get away with it, whatever, it'll catch up with you. And I I can't help but think about um, this week's news. You know. uh, the 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 governor of New York. You know, it's so amazing. You know how how. Here this person has everything, all this power, and goes ahead and does something that is his ruination. Now, one of the fascinating aspects, I think, of the way the human mind and the game is wired up is that we we rarely make the leap beyond what the next immediate pleasant experience is going to be if we leaped beyond it to see where is this heading i mean that would clean up our act a bit wouldn't it <laughs> it's just it's amazing how the human mind so rarely makes that leap beyond. If I do this, this is how I'm going to feel for a long time. So, one little trick that I, I like to play with myself and find helpful, I'll just kind of pass on to you. When you get clear on your intention, is when you're at a, a crossroads. Should I or shouldn't I? And there's a part of you that's kind of wondering, hmm, listen to that hmm and just project yourself six months from now or maybe tomorrow (laughs) or ten years from now and think of what this will look like in retrospect. Because it's amazing how a moment of indiscretion or of unconsciousness can have countless mind moments for the rest of your life. I, I hope this isn't too heavy. Uh, I hope it's, 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 this is a gift that we can all share. So setting an intention and really being clear about it is the it becomes the the north star for your life. Oh, I really want to go for happiness. This might feel good, but, you know, and certainly there are, I don't know if there are any saints here, so I'm not saying that we're, you know, we're we're never going to do anything um unskillful, but with the big decisions or where there's a snag inside, there's something in us that gets wired up that says, wait a minute, I don't know. If you're really honest and listen to it, your wisdom, the investigation and your wisdom will reveal what needs to be revealed. So I'll speak for a little while about intention. It is the um, the second link in the Eightfold Path. I've mentioned that here before. After wise understanding, sometimes it's known as wise thought. Often it's uh, known as wise intention. Because when you see where happiness lies, when you understand that, then to take that on for yourself and say, this is where I want to be headed. Now I know how the game works. This is what I want for myself. You are putting that understanding in motion, and that leads to wise speech, action, livelihood, and and the mind training effort, mindfulness, and concentration. So it's the second aspect of the Eightfold Path. And um, that has to do with aspiration, having a large vision. And then there is intention that happens in every single moment. As I, I mentioned uh, a little while ago, that in the moment when you're acting from greed, hatred, and delusion, the intention leads to suffering, and non-greed, non-hatred, delusion non-delusion leads to happiness. So there's these two levels. There's the, um, the vision and there's the application in daily life. I want to talk a little bit about the the larger aspiration and then we can also um, apply it to our daily life. So intention um, really is fueled by motivation. Everything rests on the tip of our motivation," a Tibetan saying goes. Everything rests on the tip of our motivation. And when we get clear what we want to go for, then deciding to actualize it, we become inspired by a vision, and that can be the context within which we live our life intention is different from expectation it's different from I think to some extent there's a nuance between intention and goal where and I believe in goals I think goals are, are can be very very valuable very useful but intention is not you don't have a timetable you don't have a you know a, a scorecard and uh, and a um, uh, seeing, did I make it yet? You can have an intention to be completely liberated. You know, I suggest you let go of your timetable for that one. But if you incline the mind and say, "This is what's important to me," as long as you're facing in the right direction, that's that's what counts. Mm-hmm. I'm um, remembering uh, an exchange I once had with uh, with Joseph goldstein my teacher where <clears throat> I remember uh, going into uh, an interview on on one retreat and it was um, it was like I was just opening up to new terrain and I said you know I, I don't know what I've been doing all these these years but This is, you know, this is so, this is different. And it's like I'm just starting to meditate and practice for the first time. I felt a little bit humbled, like, you know, what, I've been wasting my time, you know. But that's what was going on. And he looked at me and he said, I know that feeling. I said, you do? He said, yeah, I get it every time I sit. And then he looked at me and and he uh, I get shivers just remembering. He looked at me with this twinkle in his eye and he said, you know, it's like we're at the tip of the iceberg. And when he said that, it wasn't like, oh, there's so much more to go. It's like, isn't it exciting? Isn't it exciting how much there is to understand and grow and learn? So, as long as you're facing in that direction and can feel the the juice of it, the the, the light in it, um, then you're you're inspired rather than discouraged. Thomas Edison said he was asked about uh, how he felt that it took so long to invent the light bulb—two thousand attempts. And, and this journalist asked him, how did it feel to fail 2,000 times? And Edison said, my dear man, I didn't fail. I invented the light bulb. And it was a 2,000-step process. <laughs> so intention, having this vision, and the, the basis for it, as, as I've kind of pointed to before, but I just want to spell out, is uh, a foundation of ethical conduct of of sila, what's called sila and the precepts. Because if we're causing harm or suffering, it just doesn't work to ourselves or to others as best we can with our intentions. And if we are not, then that creates a freedom and an ease in, in the mind and the heart. Sometimes when we have very noble intentions we also can see other less noble thoughts that slip in from time to time you know i i just want to be a generous kind person so i'm going to i just feel like doing a favor for this friend or this neighbor beautiful then there's maybe a subtle little snag in the back I hope they really appreciate it. You know. I hope other people maybe find out that I'm really a generous, kind person. You know. Not loud, but when you look underneath and see these other kinds of thoughts, they can be very humbling. And you can start saying to yourself, who am I fooling? You know? Yeah, right, such a noble, dharmic, spiritual person just filled with ego and presentation and yuck. This can be really humbling because it's true that the more you pay attention, the more you see the whole show. So you can't just say, oh, let's have the the compassion and the love and we'll keep that other stuff down so I don't have to look at it. You're going to see it all. So what do you do with that? Well, here's one important principle I find around intention. Realizing that you are a human being on your way to freedom and that until you are fully awakened, there will probably be some vestiges of selfing and identification and ego there. You don't have to get rid of anything. This is a a really important understanding. The more you try to get rid of it, the more you're bothered by it, the more you say, ooh, look at this ego. I can see it everywhere, and I bet everybody else can. If that's what you're focusing on, that is what you will see everywhere and you'll be a phony and feel exposed and Dharma practice is not going to be very much fun. But if you acknowledge part of being human and yet focus on those noble sources, of action and and speech. Focus on the noble aspect of intention. It's a matter of where you incline the mind. It's not pretending the other stuff isn't there, but it's giving enough space and then acknowledging, oh yes, and there is this really beautiful part that just likes to be kind and generous. So if you have 90% 90% pure motive and 10% less than pure motive. Don't focus on the 10%. Acknowledge it. Don't think that you're a saint yet. But keep staying connected to that more noble part of your heart because that is what will ride your actions. Does that make sense? Even if it's 50-50, stay connected to the noble intentions. Even if it's 1090. (laughs) The more you stay connected and let yourself be touched by your nobility, by your genuine nobility, not your ego, yes, I'm so noble, but but by your genuine goodness, the more you give life to that, and you're not feeding the less than noble intentions. Isn't that great? So don't worry about mixed intentions. Another principle I find really helpful is getting clear on your intention to really change. We can have a good idea. It would be nice. It would be nice to be more. more loving, less angry, less petty. It, I hope it happens. It'd be great if it happens. I'd be so happy if it happens. But that's different than deciding. To make it happen, uh, I, I've shared this story. I share this on retreats. This is if you've come to retreats. This I I've given this parts of this uh, this talk on retreats because it's one of my favorite talks and one of my most I think one of the most important things in the Dharma. So, but I I don't think I've talked about intention per se here for a while. So mm. I'll share it again on this uh, one retreat many years ago. I was sitting on the retreat. I, I was uh, this is down at Yucca Valley. And uh, each each day they um, uh, they had a movement session. Uh, one of the teachers from the Lomi school, and this um, uh, some of us stayed at afterwards because we had some different questions for the movement teacher about our bodies. And this one person who came up uh, had some problem that she wanted addressed, um, and she explained her situation. The teacher said, um, "Oh." Um, well, try this exercise. This might help. She said, oh, no, 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 I can't do that because this might happen. And then he said, well, okay, here's another alternative. And he gave her that. And she said, I don't think that would work either because um, this could go out. I have a feeling I just don't want to do that. And he offered her a third possibility, which she deftly parried, and uh, said, no, I don't think that one will work either. And uh, he stopped and paused. There were a few of us around. and took a sigh, and he looked straight at her, and he said, I think your intention to stay the same is greater than your intention to change. And when your intention to change is greater, you will change. Until then, you'll stay just where you are. That's okay. Just know that that's where you are. And it it was a very uh, striking moment for me. It stayed in my mind 25 years later. Mm. When we intend to change, there is a kind of mm, wholehearted decision to do what we can to make it happen. Not that we'll pass or fail but just that we'll show up and do our part and let the Dharma take care of the rest. And that means that we need to not be caught by our limiting beliefs of our capacities. Oh, I can't do this because this happened to me when I was young. Or well, this is part of my makeup and I don't think I'll ever be able to. We all know inspiring stories of the most amazing transformations when people have put their heart and their mind into it. I love the, uh, the line, Napoleon Hill, the great motivational speaker uh, and, and writer, um, said, whatever the mind can conceive and believe, it will achieve. But first you have to notice any limiting beliefs that get in the way and then conceive of that possibility. Mm. And when you connect with it and really decide to go for it, something magical happens. A number of years ago, I, um, I had an encounter um, that really um, got me clear on my intentions. And it was um, uh, in the presence of this um, holy woman, this uh, uh, Indian um, spiritual teacher, Mother Mira. I was on my way to uh, to India, and my plane was um, was the itinerary called for me to stop in Frankfurt. And a friend of mine, uh, when she heard that, she said, "Oh, um, you should see Mother Mira when you when you go when you stop in Frankfurt." And I had heard this you know, holy woman is very uh, supposedly very extraordinary, and uh, I said, "Oh, yeah, maybe I'll do that." She looked at me she said no you really need to see you should go go to mother mira and then then i happened to find out that mother mira could grant the the boon of of fulfilling whatever wish you wanted i said okay i'll go <laughs> so i set up my itinerary and went there set it up for two nights, going to uh, Darshan with the Mother Mira. And um, the first night was a long line of people, about 125, 150 people that, that were um, waiting to see her. We all went into this room, this silent, uh, very silent space. Um, and we were very quiet. And after a while, we were all meditating. After a while, Mother Mira comes in some beautiful woman comes up to the front and just in silence she sits down no Dharma talk no nothing you know when you're in that space you don't have to entertain anybody you're just kind of there and one by one we would go up and um, um, have a, an individual audience with her silently you put your head down and you she does something on the back of your neck which I Later, explained to me, untying karmic knots, or I don't know what, but she did something there. And then you you look at into her eyes, and it's like you're looking into eternity. Right? And uh, after a while, she closes her eyes, and it's time for you to move on. Mm-hmm. And there's like an on deck circle where you come, and you know when you're ready, you go, and then one by one. That. So um, I thought, okay. Looks pretty interesting, amazing. Forty five seconds each person. Like I timed it for a while. It was like, you know, give or take three or four seconds for each one. So I said, okay. I, I didn't want to go up right away, you know, just like, okay, me first. I wanted to take my time and think, okay, if this person will grant me what I really most deeply desire, what do I want? What do I really want? And I thought for a while, well, do I want another thing? No. Objects come and go. That won't do it. Well, how about a really neat experience? Now, they all come and go. What do I really, really want? And I thought and I thought, and I just quieted down to get to the place, the deepest place inside of me, and I got in touch with something that did touch my heart, and I went up, and I focused on it, and I looked into her eyes focusing on it. I don't know if she has magical powers or how it works, but to have that strong a connection to what really mattered to me, witnessed in that sacred Context—it just—it kind of seared right into my heart. And um, since that time, which is about it's 14 years ago, I say the words before every time I give the Dharma talk. Before I meet with people, any time that there's that I want to come back to what really matters, it's right there. I just would like to invite you for a moment if you were in my position and you were in front of a holy saint, a, holy, a high being, or if you prefer some magical force that could grant your deepest wish, your deepest desire the one that really matters to you what would you wish for just take a moment right now close your close your eyes and go inside and put yourself in this situation there you are about to be granted your deepest wish what does your heart tell you really matters? If this seems like it would make a difference in your life to go for this, just imagine what it would look like as you more and more grew into that, and if it seems worthwhile, if it seems worth going for, see if it's possible to connect with the heartfelt decision to do your part to make that happen. In your quietest moments, when it's just you and the universe, you and life. The universe wants to support you in this. If you got in touch with something, I would encourage you this week when you sit, if you sit, or when you take some quiet time, to just reconnect with it. Give it life. Nourish it. Because as you do, you more and more incline the mind to remember what the deepest part of you longs for. And then as you go through your daily activities... Keep this intention in mind and see if what you do is supporting it, is aligned with it or not. Not to berate yourself if it's not, but just to wake you up when you realize, oh, I'm not really supporting myself right now for my own benefit and for everybody else's benefit. And so that's how intention in, in, in the Buddha Dharma is called clear comprehension of purpose, where that deep connection is the context for us to live our life. And as you do, then you know you're facing in the right direction. I'll just, uh, if I can find it. And with this quote that talks about the power of intention by uh, W. H. Murray, the Scottish Himalayan Expedition. Until one is committed, he says, there is hesitancy, the chance to draw back always ineffectiveness concerning all acts of initiative and creation There is one elementary truth, the ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans. That is that the moment one definitely commits oneself, then providence moves too. All sorts of things occur to help one that would never otherwise have occurred. A whole stream of events, issues from the decision, raising in one's favor all manner of unforeseen incidents and meetings, and material assistance which no person could have dreamt would have come their way. I've learned a deep respect for one of Goethe's couplets. Whatever you can do or dream you can, begin it. Boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. Well, there's not much time for questions. I'm sorry. I just kind of got on a roll there. But uh, if, there is there, if there's any burning question or something on somebody's mind, we can just take a, a moment or so. Yeah. And here, how about uh, Well, No, no, no. Because it's, uh, everybody should hear you, and it's being recorded. So speak right into the mic.
1: Okay, that's weird. <laughs> uh, but I have a question. I just was traveling for about 10 days, um, and I've been in China. And um, while I'm away, I have these amazing good thoughts about um, how amazing husband I have and how much I miss him and all that stuff, and I'm imagining how great it will be when I come back. And it's happened in the past that... Uh, then I come back, I guess it's the expectations of how great it will be that then we immediately get in fight and the rest of the week it's like super stressful and it's like, where are the intentions? <laughs> so I tried to put intention to definitely not make this happen again, but it ultimately happened again exactly the way I didn't want it. So we both are aware of it, but somehow we cannot get out of this Spiraling thing. We both know, okay, it's the expectations, okay, but I I don't know why we, or me, I don't know, some advice on that. Yeah,
0: Yeah, see the difference between expectations and intention. If you have an intention to not get caught in that, you're setting yourself up for a problem. But if you have the intention to wake up to it, To wake up to seeing as much, you can have the intention to act with kindness, And the intention to keep investigating what happens to you when you get caught. So that rather than saying, oh, I blew it again, you know, who was I fooling? It's like, oh, what goes on here? So you can get more refined in your exploration. What gets triggered? How do I? What do I bring to it that activates me? If I say yes, I'm, everything's going to be just great. And then you set yourself up in the, it, the the slightest inflection in the voice from the other person. You know, oh, wasn't that way at all. Or just see how you set yourself up and see if you can keep on having the intention to come from as much kindness and um, minimal blame, but just seeing how you can help each other wake up, especially if you both know it and say, okay, we know we go through this. Let's really stay current with what's going on. Then if you share a joint intention to wake up to it, that adds a whole other dimension than did I pass or did I fail. Thank you. Okay, uh, if you have more questions, maybe I'll stay for a little while, but um, let's uh, close with a short loving kindness. Okay. And again, not just a nice idea, work with it, work with it this week. And then we'll go through... Um, each week like this, working with practices. But this one is the key because this sets up all the others. So feel your heart center, breathe in and out, benevolent energy from around you. It's right, right around you, waiting to support you. Let it come right through your heart and fill your whole being, awakening the goodness inside. And as you breathe out, radiate out that spirit of well-wishing, surrounding yourself and extending it out. As best you can, whatever your experience is just fine. Just incline the mind that way. And then incline towards some kindness to yourself. May I Stay connected with what really matters. May I open to all the goodness and love inside of me and and learn to share it well. May I Awaken to the highest happiness and experience all the others along the way for myself and for everybody else. And then to send these thoughts out to everybody in this room and in all directions to all beings as I want to be happy, may all be happy. As I want peace, may all find peace in their lives. As I want love and kindness, may all feel their love and share it well. And may all awaken to their true nature. May our coming together Have a beneficial effect and touch everyone we know and all beings everywhere. May all beings be happy. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you for listening.